Hi, and welcome to Dragon's Cast. It is Sunday night, the 15th of January, and I've got Anthony, Leon, and Bill with me tonight. How are you guys? Great. The week has gone exactly as suspected, so, you know. <laughs> it is, uh, it's, been a, it's been a week for Drexel Men's and Women's Basketball. It's been a very 500 week, which, depending on how you look at it, is uh, good or bad. Um, but I think everybody's going to say bad. Uh, I feel like that's that's the direction we're going to go. So we're going to make this really positive podcast. Get, get excited. Uh, if you, if you want to get your, your optimism in for the week, you've come to the right place. Um, the men go on the road. Um, that's, that's the one thing I will say. Two one-on-one weekends, but off four road games. You know, generally speaking, you go on the road, you go 500 in conference. You're not really complaining too much. I think it's the opponents. I think it's the expectations. We'll talk about all that, but. The men go one-on-one at, on their northeast trip to Stony Brook and Northeastern. Uh, the ladies go one-on-one at Hampton and William & Mary on their colonial trip, hopefully hitting the colonial Wawa. And uh, here we are now. Um, the men have, by the way, uh, here's your optimistic view. Since the Mammoth game, which was three games ago, so they've gone 2-1 in that stretch, they've gone from 190 to basically 160 in Ken Palm. They've moved up 30 spots. Uh, apparently, we found the flaw in Ken Palm system. Or exploited, which is if you beat the living hell out of bad teams, um, your ranking goes up considerably. So good teams must be the only people who can beat the hell out of bad teams. I guess is Ken's thesis. I'm not sure. I entirely agree. Do you, Leon? Yeah, I could, if it works in our favor, I absolutely agree. Yeah, you know, that's the move. That is the move. We'll, we'll take anything. That's a, that's a Zach Spiker response, Leon. I think that's that's exactly what yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Um, I'm getting coached up here myself. So there you go. Clap it up, uh, Bill. How did you feel about that Stony Brook game? Um, it wasn't unexpected, I guess, just because I figured we were going to lose one of these two. Um, but, I mean, it was right there. We should have had it. We, again, with a slow start to begin the game, which we harp on, I feel like, every podcast. Um, but, you know, fought back. We were up nine and just couldn't get any stops at the end. I don't know. Disappointing. You know, you want to come back. with. I think, like, the level of some uh the level of competition with some of these you know lower tier ca teams you hope you can go on on the road and get these wins and i feel like this is one that we you know let slip through our fingers uh yeah that's about it yeah you go from that really cold start uh, that they had i think they were down i want to say it was 14-5 or something like that early um with 10 to go ken has got them at a 91% chance of winning so to go from such a slow start to such a large lead and kind of convincing, especially against kind of a mediocre opponent, and then to, to relapse like that, um, not great. Not great. Um, again, you would say it's kind of the starters, right? But the starters started the second half. It was a starting five in the second half. They came out. Luke House hit a couple threes at a halftime. That was big and really pushed the lead. Um, so the, I mean, that unit that we talk about and kind of – take some shots at they were functional in one phase uh, of the game but in the open of the game and close of the game less so uh, Anthony what did you see up there on Long Island well I thought it was disappointing because they battled back and in my opinion should have won um, I don't lay all the blame on the players I also don't lay all the blame on the coaches I'm going to bring up a couple uh, numbers that I saw here um, on the player side uh, the number that sticks out to me is eight, which is the number of missed free throws we had all in the second half. Six of 14 from the line, 42.9%, and we lost by one. 
So um, that's not, I mean, you got to make free throws, <laughs> point blank. We were better than that team, and we lost the game in large part because we missed eight free throws in the second half. And that's just missed more than we made in, in, in over 20 minutes in basketball. That's inexcusable. Um, so um, that, that I put on the players, uh, of course. But on the other hand, I look at something else, and I see that in the first half, we shot three of 13 from three, and 13 of our 30 shots were, were threes, obviously. And then in the second half, we shot three of four from three, so the percentage went way down in terms of – or percentage, percentage of threes that we took of total shots went way down, but our shooting percentage in the second half was 69.57%. I was talking the other day about, you know, maybe don't just jack threes and hope for the best – we made a comeback and we shot him with 70% from the floor. Now, granted, it was three or four from three. So we hit the threes that we did take in the second half at a good clip, but we clearly took more twos than threes in that half. And that's when we came back. And if not for the free throws, I think we win that game easily. So, and one of the problems in the first first half was that we kept taking and missing threes until the very, very end when a couple people hit, hit a few right before halftime. So now I don't know if that's players. I think that's more coaches than players myself, but, you know, uh, I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought about that. You know, we're deep over here and talking about the game and the game. We haven't addressed whether the sea wolf is a mythical creature or a real one. And uh, I think it's Bill, Bill, do you think it's a real creature or, or a mythical one? Cause I, I thought this was the first CAA mythical creature battle that, that didn't get, you know, the, all the play deserved. We should hype that up. You're right. This is a hard hitting question, Leon. But yes, um, yeah, uh, I could. I think it's mythical. I, I don't know <laughs> exactly what a sea wolf is. I, I set you up there, Bill. It's actually a, a real creature, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> you knew the answer, and you're just throwing I, me. I, 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 this is Davis. I, I, I set you up on purpose. You know, so the sea wolf is a is apparently a very real creature that exists, unlike the dragon, that uh, you know is still you know. You could argue one way or another, I guess, if it exists or not. But no, I digress a little bit. But this game, we should have won this game. If if there was a game to drop between this uh, Northeastern and the Stony Brook game, I would have probably preferred Northeastern just because they've been in the CA longer. And I feel like I respect Bill Cohen a little bit more and I know who he is. And I know they sometimes have our number. uh, But going into Stony Brook, a, a new team in the CAA, and letting uh, what's their star player's name? Uh, he had like Stevenson Moore kind of like kind of take over and destroy us to a certain extent, like score at will when you needed to, especially in the last point of the game. Uh, it was it was it was rough. I I thought we were. I, I part of me still because Zach Spiker somehow some of his games still he seems to pull it out the very end. We still end up winning. This is one of those games that I thought was going to be one of those, but unfortunately we ended up losing. So uh, definitely left left a bad taste going into the Northeastern game because, you know, it could have been a great 2-0 outing uh, in this con- continuing that CA momentum we had going into these series and two lower teams. So I was really disappointed. Yeah, I mean, Stevens Moore got his shots and he's going to get his, but I was, was not really impressed with our defense on him. The guy, I actually thought, I think it's Palicelli. Um, I thought we defended very well. I thought he was hidden. He had the uh, the Timberlake 
you know, uh, phenomenon where he was just hitting everything. You know, it was most of it seemed to be turnaround fadeaways with a hand in his face, and and he kept hitting those buckets when they needed them. But they have two guys. I mean, realistically, Study Brooks got two guys that um that really belong at this level. Sarvan's a stiff. Um, Fitzmorris is an interesting player, but you know, I look at him and I see kind of a sophomore. He's a senior. It's it's Stevenson Moore and Palacelli, and and they tore us apart. So. Um, it's funny because I actually like what we did offensively in this game, but we let, did they go six deep there? And it's a very generous to call it six. I mean, Padaway's all right off the bench, but they've got a weak point guard. It's just, there's not much of a team. Like they're, they're not good in this league because there's not much of a team. They have, they have two good guys who can beat a lot of the bottom of this league. And I think they will. And um, they've got, that's a bit of a desperate coach. And listen, they're three and one in the CAA right now. Like let's not overlook that they are three and one in the CA. They're still like a three hundred plus Ken Palm team, but they've they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. I guess um, they just went down on the road to NC A and T and only lost by two today. So like all right, they're showing some teeth. They're they're they're, they're certainly ballsy, right? Like I mean, they're a gutsy team. They're a tough team. I think they're tougher than we are. I think they're they're guys um, who are their studs play like they're supposed to be studs. Which I, you know, I'm not taking any shots in house right now. But would you say the same thing about Drexel? Um, you know, guys who can command a game are commanding a game. I, I don't know. Um, it's disappointing to me mostly, this loss, um, not just the fact that the offense seemed to finally figure it out and the defense failed, um, but also because um, I looked at the schedule for the rest of the year. It's one thing I think I texted you guys and realized, you know, Towson's only on it. Well, Towson's on it one more time, but UNCW, we only play at home. We don't have to go to the dub. We don't have to go to Charleston. Um, we only have uh, what A and T once, and um, Hofstra once. We only have Hofstra one time. So you know, if the big four teams, we only have to play one of them twice. Like it's an incredibly soft schedule for this league, and the difference between being the top four is a and, and five, six, seven is a buy. Top four have a buy this year because of the twelve team, thirteen team league. So. There was actually a pathway where you could talk about them playing on Sunday in the tournament without having to play a game to get there. Um, I'm not confident enough to, you know, to think that that's actually a great thing for us or that we'll have a long stay. But um, the four seed would matter, and, and that was kind of a game you needed to get um, if you were going to seriously consider the four seed. Um, you got to beat up on these teams that you're supposed to beat up on because that's the whole point of having an advantage schedule. Um so frustrating for me from that fan angle where if this team actually catches some legs late in the season, um, this may be one that comes back to bite us, uh, in my opinion. Leon, I agree with you. If you know, I called this weekend at one and one but you know, if somebody said, you've got to choose which game you win, which game you lose, I would expect it to win at Stony Brook and lose at Northeastern. So that's why, that's why uh, the casinos make money because that, that Northeastern game was just crazy to me. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about with Stony Brook real quick was that they kind of changed up the rotation a little bit. We saw a little bit more, and Bill, maybe you could talk to this, but um, we saw a little bit more of, of the dual point guard look. Uh, we saw a little bit more of Turner with Amari Williams as well. Um, so in, in changing that up and going for a little bit of different looks, less three shooters, you know, what did you see, Bill, in this game that kind of that, that make you happy? Did you like the, the combinations they threw out during the half, even if the starting line didn't change? No, I, mean, I like Bergens alongside of uh, 
Justin Moore. I think that's a, a good combo. I, I think Bergen's actually is a little bit more effective when he's not running point. It seems like he's more aggressive offensively um, doing what he does. And he was effective in both of these games uh, doing that. So I, I'd like to see more of that. And to, to Anthony's back to Anthony's point before I get sabotaged with a Seawolves question, um, it is better when we have people who are attacking the hoop. And I, I think like rather than having those three shooters, I mean, we've discussed this over and over again, but putting Bergens in there who can attack the hoop a little bit, score in the mid range. I, I think that just makes the team more dangerous. Um, I mean, Justin Moore is able to do that too, but he can't be the only guy out there. Um, so having Bergens out there is good. Um, again, Yami Butler not playing really. The Garfield Turner lineup is interesting. I mean, I feel like sometimes it makes sense to have Garfield Turner and Amari out there at the same time, but not a lot. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to ha- have those two guys out there, you need Amari, I guess, shooting more threes or doing something on the perimeter. I don't know. It doesn't really do a lot for me unless they were going with like their seven footer and uh, like Sarvan at the same time or something. Then maybe you need to, you know, play a little bit more height. But um, I don't really love that lineup. <clears throat> I think you get more from. You know, having a guy who could attack the hoop like like Bergens. Um, so hopefully we'll continue to see more of him playing alongside of uh, Justin Moore, who I thought was actually really good in both these games too. I thought he played a lot better. Had less turnovers, I think, in both games. Uh, five assists against uh, Stony Brook. So I thought he looked pretty good. And he's, he's getting the hoop consistently. He needs to work on his left hand too, but he is getting to the hoop. Um, he just needs to work on, like I said, left hand and shooting over some of the trees in there he's having a problem with. But... I think he's looked better these last two games. Yeah, so you, you actually kind of the two players I wanted to highlight some, at some point in this segment, which is Yami Butler, whose line in the Stony Brook game, and, and everybody holds your breath here, is, according to Ken Palm, zero minutes, one turnover, two fouls. That's really hard to do in zero minutes. Um, and, and he got the hook. I thought it was a really quick hook. I, I, I said it at the time, um, like a Slack channel or something, but, you know, he had he did. He had a bad foul on the defensive end. Um, he got beat on the back door. It was an N one. You know, was, you come you come on the game again. We talked about this kind of with him and his body language previous week. You come out in the game in your first play, you get beat back door, and you foul. You get it's just not a good look. You go down the other way, and uh, and it was an offensive foul. It was a charge call, but it was a charge call where he was creating something, where he was moving the ball. He created. He, he passed it out to the three point line. The three pointer after the charge call was, was hit. Um, and I'm like, that's kind of what I want to see. Like, I don't mind that charge, you know, like there's aggressive fouls out there where I'm kind of okay with it. And, and Spiker hooked him after that foul. Um, I would have liked to see him get a little more run, but you, you know, the leash he's on and he's got another leash he's on too, I guess that's, that's the other side of it. Um, I think if he doesn't get beat back door the first time, he doesn't get pulled after the offensive foul the second time. Um, but yeah, he's just going to have a tough time getting minutes if, if kind of this keeps up going like that. And that's a shame because you do, you see the ability for him to cause havoc. In this case, it was havoc that didn't help his team. But in some cases, there will be havoc that does help his team. And he just changes things up. Um, maybe against Tony Brook, you want a, a firmer hand in there, and I would get, get that. But he came off the bench with Cole Hargrave against Northeastern, only played three minutes, and they blow up. So it kind of tells you where he's at right now. Um, the Justin Moore thing is interesting. Best three-game stretch of the season for certain. Bill, coming in the last three. But also, he played three kind of... Mediocre is being generous point guards. And, you know, his stats are about league average, but 10, uh, 10 assists and five turnovers in that three game stretch, which is a good sign. He's still taking 
a good number of shots, but they seem to be under control. They seem to be more in the offense. Um, I like his first step's incredible. Like he can get to the boot. Like he's showing that now, and I, I really like seeing it. So this feels more under control. It feels like more something we could build off of in the weeks before. And I think I'm seeing what you're seeing, which I'm excited about. Uh, maybe the beginnings of, of turning the corner. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I still don't want to have, have him start against, you know, a class A competition point guard right now, because I think he'll get beat up a little bit. But he's, if, he's, if he can use the stretch to, to get straight, that'd be good. The other thing I'll say about that that combo of Justin Moore and, and Bergens, I, I think they looked well, good defensively. I mean, like you said, the point guards weren't that great, but they were causing them problems. Both those guys, like staying in front of them and harassing their guards. Um, I, I just think that's even a better defensive combo than you know, say like Luke House in the starting lineup or something. I'd like to eventually see Bergens in the starting lineup, hopefully, but. Um, you know, as long as he's getting enough minutes and they're playing that 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 dual role, it seemed like that had gone away for a few games too, right? Like we hadn't seen uh, Bergens playing alongside uh, Justin Moore for a while, and then it, and Spike kind of brought it back in. I don't know if that's a, a matchup thing. Maybe he likes you know a little more size out there. I'm not sure, but hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that. Yeah, uh, and I think um, what we talk about with the women with Hendrickson and O'Neal having two point cards on the floor at the same time, I like it. With the men's side, having, having the extra ball handers. We don't really have a turnover problem as a team anyway, but with two ball handers, you're more likely to have somebody go to the basket, right? And that's where we need to get to. I think we're all agreed. So um, good sign. Also, um, I thought Mate didn't have a great game here, but he still looked lively. He still looks like we've got the old Mate back a little bit in this game and then looked looked good at Northeastern. So good to see him keep going. Good to see some signs of life at Luke House here. Um Steps forward for pretty much everybody. I think I think Lamar Odin struggled here and struggled early at Northeastern, but that was um, it was it was a soft schedule road trip, but it was still two road games, and I thought some guys really uh, really showed pretty well. Um, so that takes us to the Northeastern game. Um, if you guys um, had gone to that game, I think you would have been more present than any Northeastern University athletes at that game because that was a no-show performance. They stayed in the dorm. I think they had the coaches run warm-ups or something out there against it. I mean, I only got to watch most of the first half, but, I mean, I've seen open threes in my life. But Luke House standing at the top of the key, nobody even coming with 10 feet of space, like a practice three, and, like, on repeat. I couldn't believe how bad the defense was at Northeastern. Those guys just didn't. I mean, give a damn. It's tough for me to read, read into this game a whole lot. You had a Drexel team that was, yeah, angry and coming off a loss, but it was a short short turnaround road game. They got up to Boston late, I think, uh, Thursday night, and um, Huskies were off of extra rest. They didn't play Thursday. They're, they're sitting here at home. They had plenty of time to prep. Um, and just, you know, I tried to talk to my you know, folks at Northeastern, and everybody's kind of shaking their heads. I, I don't, it's It was bad. Anthony, I mean, you get a chance to catch that one. Yeah, I, I watched it. It, it was uh, <laughs> it was odd. Uh, it just didn't seem like they had any fight at all. Um, we got scoring from everybody, everybody contributing. Their defense was abysmal, just not covering the shooters. I, I mean, I saw Coltrane take a three. He ended up missing it, unfortunately. But the closest defender, I joked on our Slack thread that he was in Rhode Island because the closest defender was under the basket. It was that far away. Um, so I, 
And we went up big. I think we were up 16 at halftime, and we lengthened the lead as the second half started. Um, you'd think they would attempt to do something to make up some ground, maybe take a three-pointer or something. They took seven the entire game and only three in the, the second half. So they didn't use the three-point line at all. Um, they just look like a bad team. <laughs> I think you had mentioned in the past, Dan, that I think they're kind of lacking the point guard spot, which certainly – makes it problematic for any team at, at our level. But, yeah, they look they look really bad. Um, I, I know their, their forward, Doherty, got into foul trouble immediately, got tangled up with Garfield Turner at, at one point early in the game and, and picked up a, a foul and a tech. Um, so he was kind of out of commission most of the first half. And when he came back in the second half, picked up another quick foul. So he, he was kind of just totally – not really contributing at all, but yeah, they just looked lifeless as a team. It was a good win. I was happy to see them bounce back uh, after, you know, what had to be a pretty tough loss at Stony Brook, but um, yeah, they rolled them. Uh, you know, wasn't expecting a win quite like that, but it was a good one. Yeah, it was it was good to see a beating for a, for a change like this. I mean, I guess we beat up on Monmouth too. So, I mean, some, some of these teams aren't very good. I mean, even watching or looking at some of Northeastern's results early on, like they just haven't been good. I mean, they're, they're lacking a point guard, but that um, doesn't really make them terrible like they showed up defensively in this game. Um, like I said, guys wide open all over the court. We took advantage of it. The whole team looked good. You know, you like to see some of the guys get going. Like Lamar's had, had a good game after struggling for a couple. Like you said, Dan, Oak Rose is looking good. Last couple games, you know, nothing spectacular, but he's out there shooting with confidence, like to see it. And like I said, Bergen's had a good game against them too. So I don't know. All around, this is great. Um, I wish we could, like, take this performance and somehow find a way to replicate it with a slightly better defense (laughs) that we'll be playing up against. But just being able to knock down open shots. There's been games where we've had open shots and just weren't able to knock them down. So, um I'm not sure what the team ate before this game either, but whatever they did, they can continue that for the next one because, uh, you know, that shooting performance was impressive as far as what we've been doing lately. Matej Okris' new dorm room will be the Westin in Boston or wherever it was. That they played. Yeah. <laughs> he only shot two shots, but, I mean, he hit them both. Uh, it's almost getting to the point where I want to see him shoot more. Like, let's let's get him – keep getting him more shots. Like, the guy's shooting the ball well. It just doesn't seem like we – hunt shots for particular guys outside of Amari. And even, even that, I don't think we do enough. Like, uh, I feel like sometimes we don't feed Amari enough. Uh, we just kind of work it through the offense and then, you know, see who gets the shot, which, you know, that's the system, I guess. Uh, but it's funny because I felt like we used to hunt shots for people. Like, you used to know, like, Coltrane or something, like, when they were in the game, like, they would go find shots for them, you know, when they were bit players. But now they're kind of in the regular rotation. I feel like you see less of that. It is interesting. Um, it's an adjustment to the offense, I guess. Um, the, only, yeah, the only guy, you know, you don't want to talk about it, but one for four from the stripe for Amari. That's a three for 11 weekend. Um, it, it's creating, I mentioned it on the in the Sony call, but it's creating a problem. Uh, what do you do? You have a small lead. You know they're going to foul. What do you do with Amari? You know, are you going to start going offense defense? What do you do there? Where's the Drexel golf coach when you need him? Isn't that we brought in for Sammy Givens over here? Can't we uh... – Let's get that guy back. <laughs> Is he still around? I don't know if it's the same golf coach or not, but bring him back. Chris Crawford back. Bring somebody back. Cause yeah, it's a it's been a rough rough go of it for Amari of late from the stripe. I mean, he shoots it like a line drive kind of. It's not a it's 
it's not a pretty shot. I mean, I think he's a little bit better than that touch-wise. He can hit an occasional three. I, I just don't know why he can't put a little bit of arc on that. It's a line drive, and, the, and, the, and, and where he starts the shot from changes on every free throw. It's like a potpourri of how... Uh, of like it's not consistent at all the shot he's taking I, I, like his motions towards the sh- like the free throw so it, you're right he a golf coach would be good uh or maybe just bring sammy givens back i don't know what he's doing these days is, is he still playing professionally bill is he i believe he is yeah he's still playing professionally he's been around though but you know Amari, to his credit he was shooting 65 percent from the line in out of conference play he's, he's 40.1 percent in conference play right now so something that's dropped off like a rock, small sample size or something. But um, yeah, it's it's it obviously hurt at Stony Brook. That was a big piece of that loss, to be honest with you. Um, but hurt up in Boston too. We just didn't feel it because nobody cared. Um, but it's something certainly. I think you're going to see Hakamari. I think somebody mentioned that. But there's there's going to be there's going to be some challenging decisions put that way for Zach Spiker as far as um, if you're trying to limit his minutes, whatever it is. Can you can you get him in there where you avoid the one and one? Can you get him out of there in crunch time when you're when you're on offense? Do you want him out of there in crunch time when you're on offense? You probably want him in. Like it's 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 going to get real challenging. At one point in the Stony Brook game, like they subbed Garfield Turner in for Amari, and they went, "Here's an offensive for defensive substitution." And they were subbing out Amari and putting in Garfield, and I was like, "I was like, I can't even believe this is a thing." Or if that... <laughs> I still didn't even believe what the announcer was saying, but it was just those announcers were. Those announcers are kind of comical, though. I mean, yeah. Like, they're like, this is the CAA at one point. And it was like both teams missing back-to-back shots. I was like, take it easy. And they're also making it seem like it was a huge rivalry. That was the first time we've ever played that team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is pretty funny. They were really trying to hype it up. The league is national TV. You know, I don't, I don't want that job. Justin was amped up for that. Stone yeah, he game. was. He was picking fights, wasn't he? He went to the student section right after one of his, I think when he got fouled on a, was it a layup or something? It, and did a little flex. He's too skinny for that, man. Come on. He's got to put some more weight before he starts flexing like that. I mean, I like it, but you better win the game if you're going to do it. You're going to do that on the road. You better win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was watching one of the football games today. It's one of those moments where uh, somebody got sacked, like when they were down 20 and they did the sack dance. I was like, dude, you're down 20. What are you doing? It's, you know, I, I didn't catch, uh, unfortunately, I missed this Northeastern game. I only caught it up. Uh, I just saw the highlights kind of, or fast forward through the game later. But how real is us shooting, you know, 500 from field goal percentage? Like how, that was one of the, our better efficiency games for a field goal percentage. So like how, how realistic is that? Or like, I, I don't want to get too hyped uh, and, because I did do the ODU game and games before. Uh, but like, is it just because Northeastern were that bad? Like, is this realistic for us to continue at this uh, this kind of division of points that we had, which, which looks amazing? Like, almost everybody, to Anthony's point from before, seemed to contribute. Uh, Garfield Turner oddly had 12 points, so well, tied the top score of the game. So is it realistic, or is it just another anomaly, and then we're going to lose the next game to to a sub suboptimal team? I mean, I thought we played faster in this game uh, than we typically do. It didn't seem like we were having as many shots. Like late in the shot clock, we were kind of just fine around taking the first good look we got. And maybe, you know, some of that had to be with the defense being terrible. Um, But we should do more of that. This team should be playing fast. We have a lot of depth, like run and gun. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's get up more shots. (laughs) Rebound the ball. Like that's, 
I think we need a little bit more of that. We can't do this, you know, pass, pass, pass around, and then we have eight seconds left in the shot clock. Give it to Justin Moore and see what happens. Like, that's just not going to work. Um, run the ball, get the ball to the court quick, launch some shots. I think that they did this in, the, in this game, and we looked better. Um, so hopefully we'll, you know, continue to see that. And we score more points as a result, right? Like we had 76. I don't know what that was the last game we scored 76 in, but um, I definitely felt like we were moving faster. Indiana State would be your last game you scored 76-plus. Um, so it's going back quite a ways. And you did it on 66 possessions, which is pretty pretty good. Um, Stony Brook is funny. It felt like they were trying to speed them up at times. Um, Stony Brook's one of the slower teams in the conference. It was still 58 possessions, slowest game of the season for us. But it did feel like they were actually trying to move it. Um yeah, I think a little pace increase wouldn't hurt, but I think against these teams that like to play a little slower, maybe they tried to bump it a little bit, um, get them out of rhythm. I think we look a lot at what the other team was trying to do, and sometimes I'd like to go in there and just say, we're going to dictate what happens in this game. You know, this is what Drexel's going to do, because what is really our brand right now? The flip side to that, you know, we can complain all we want about the, the all the shooters on the court at the same time, Fact is, they haven't been hitting. That's that's the real problem, right? Okay. So, Leon, you, you make a great point, um, which is when can we expect that kind of shooting? And it's like, well, they shot fifty-two percent from two against Northeastern. That's just kind of average for them. That's fine, but they shot forty-four percent from three. That's the difference. And obviously, they were basically entirely, you know, not just unguarded shots, but they they showed up to the three-point line. They read the newspaper, got caught up on things, took a couple dribbles. Then looked and took a shot, and they were still wide open. All right, like so, you're not going to get that a whole lot. But um, the last time they shot over 35 percent in the game was the Temple game from three, which is like for a Zach Spiker team, for a team that throws shooters out on the court left and right, like it is surprising. And these guys have a history. If you talk about Mate, if you talk about Coltrane, if you talk about Lamar, of hitting at a 40 percent plus clip individually, all of them. So, as a team, you're shooting 35 percent. In a good game, you know, 29% thousand, of course, eight against William and Mary, eight um, percent. Uh, you know, it's the 35% shouldn't be the roof. That should be the average. That's what I'm saying. And sometimes the ball just doesn't go in. You're a little unlucky. I think this has been more than that. Um, but I think, I think, Leon, your question is valid because that what you're looking for should almost be the expectation. And, and that's really where we're falling short. Because how many times this year have we said, Anthony, I, know, I think you said it last podcast, um, keep running the same stuff. Seton Hall, right? Keep running the same stuff. I remember saying that because the shots, because they're good looks. Like, I don't think the looks have been terrible, um, but the guys haven't been hidden until recently. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Like at a certain point, um, you know, yeah, if the looks are good, you take them. But if the players show over a large stretch of time that they're not capable of hitting at a decent enough clip to be successful, then maybe you have to change up what you're doing. Uh, I mean, I think we ended up shooting just around 35% against Stony Brook, um, but I'm pretty sure we hit two threes right before halftime and finished three of 13 from three. But prior to that, we were one of 11 from three to start the game. And no surprise, we were really struggling early on in the early going of the game. You stop shooting as many threes in the second half, and we literally couldn't stop scoring. I mean, they made 70% of their shots in the second half. Now, is that sustainable? No, of course it's not. They're not going to shoot 70% over 20 minutes, but play to your strengths. 
do, do and and I definitely agree with what you said, Bill, about um, moving up tempo. Uh, every time we do it, it 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 works. I mean, from what I've seen so far, and of course we haven't played Charleston yet, we haven't played Wilmington yet. I don't see many teams in this league that we're less athletic than by a sizable margin. Um, you know, and again, th- those two teams may be the exception there, but. Uh, I thought we were more athletic than Stony Brook. I thought we were more athletic than Northeastern. There's no reason to me that we shouldn't be using that to our advantage, taking the ball to the basket, getting up more shots, pushing tempo. It just seems to make too much sense. Uh, You know, I really think that's how we lost the game. Other than the free throws at the end, I mean, one of 11 for three for 18 minutes of basketball to begin a game, and you're tied at halftime. Wasn't that how we were tied at halftime with William & Mary, too? Didn't they shoot the lights out from three and we couldn't hit a thing and we were tied at halftime and we were way better. Why was that? We took a bunch of shots that we we're not hitting. Um, and then we changed it up and stopped forcing and let the game come to us at the way we can do it. And, and things turn around. So I, don't know. I think that's, that's the same point with having, you know, three guys who are known as shooters out there. If the shots aren't falling and three of your players are primarily doing that, you know, the offense is stagnant. Um, so getting some other people out there who can do some other things is important. Uh, and I think in some of these games where we've had to come back, we've seen that where, you know, you throw Bergens out there um, and, you know, the score starts turning around the other way because you're not just having to rely on the three-point shot. Um, I th- but I think I think our shooters are better than they've been showing this year. I mean, they've showed in pre- previous years, to your point, Dan. So, I mean, hopefully we'll see that start to increase. I mean, even – and I talk about Justin Moore a lot, but I even think he's a better three-point shooter than he's showing. I don't think he's great, but I think he's better than 12% what he's shooting now. Uh, you know, I think I had a more tab towards like, you know, high 20s uh, when I, when he was uh, playing in high school. Uh, uh, so, you know, some of these guys like Lamar is just not hitting as well as he usually would be. House is, I would think, a little bit more automatic when he's left open. Hasn't quite been that this season. Um, you know, but he's still, I think he's still, he's shooting 40%. I think he's the only one on the team that's 40% or higher. And Ogres is coming around. He's starting to really hit the shots you expect him to hit. So hopefully that'll continue and you keep getting the right guys shooting. Um, bringing down that team percentage is probably Justin Moore lofting up some, some late, late shots as well. Um, and, and then when threes, I, I would only like to see him taking those wide open ones, uh, when, when he gets it occasionally. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see this continue um i'm skeptical <laughs> but uh i hope that we'll you know take this performance and be able to relay that to other other games uh with our week schedule that dan brought up earlier it's a shame because it it, it seemed as though kobe mcgee wasn't dressed for either game this week and i'm not sure if that's an injury or what um but he was one of those guys that you know had been getting some spot minutes that we were kind of talking up as somebody who can inject some of that different flavor of play. Um, but if he's out long-term, obviously that's, that's one less guy who can do that. So that was tough to see. Hopefully he's back on the court soon. All right. We'll talk about the upcoming schedule, but I, I, we'll save it to the end of the podcast because I think it's a big week and I want to talk about it. Uh, let's pivot real quick to the ladies team who went down to uh, Hampton roads, um, took on a Hampton team. Uh, that is uh We'll put it this way. They went to UNCW or UNCW went to them today and somebody had to win. So that was nice to see because then somebody got to win. Um, Hampton was not going to beat 
uh, Drexel at home. They are not going to beat them on the road. They will not beat them in a telephone booth. They will not beat them on a spaceship. They will not beat them four on five, quite frankly. I think there's a chance. Um, that is, that's a bad basketball team, Anthony. Am I right? You are. Um, took care of business in this one. Um, Grace O'Neill actually led the team in scoring with 19, had more than Kishana. I'm not sure how many games Kishana hasn't been the leading scorer, but it's not many. Uh, Kishana finished with 17. Um, they did try to make things tough for Kishana early in the game. Um, a lot of pressing, a lot of trapping, double teaming. Uh, a couple times it almost looked like triple teaming. Um, and she actually didn't have a ton of points uh, until well into the third quarter and then kind of went on like a 7-0 run of her own, I think, uh, and, and ended up still with a decent uh, stat line. But, um, yeah, not terribly much uh, to take from this game. We're just better than them. We showed it. Uh won pretty comfortably. So the only thing to note from the box score is that uh, the continued shooting struggles of Kylie Lavelle, one of five, two points, only 16 minutes. Um, I think I'll touch on her more when we get into the the other game this week that is going to draw a little bit more of my ire, but um, they took care of business on Friday. They did. And, and coming off that back-to-back home romps uh, against good competition, uh, I was concerned about a left-hand spot. Um, Obviously, Hampton just just not talented enough to take advantage of that, even if it occurred. Um, and actually, I, I did catch most of that game, and and I mean, I honestly thought the ladies could have played better. I, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a letdown spot, uh, just playing a team that couldn't take advantage, um, and they kind of carried forward. I think they they almost it feels like they almost fell into that trap of all right, that was good enough to win, and they stayed down. And listen, back half, we talk about this with the men. The men went the other way with it. But back half of a of a you know you play one day off you play a short rest scenario never going to be great when you're not playing at your highest level it's really going to be poor and William and Mary is a team that is talented enough to take advantage of it and um, they, they smacked us around let's be honest they they they, uh, they woke things up a little bit Bill's dream the eighteen and zero season is gone Bill do you have anything to say about that uh, the dream was good while it lasted uh, no but it's uh, I mean I watched. Uh, most of the game too. Uh, it just seemed like they were they were hot in the first half. I mean, they just came out of there, um, and were just draining shots left and right, uh, and ran up the score and just got out of hand. It's one of those games where like you you go down seventeen, and, and in order to get back, you pretty much have to play not a perfect game, but you can't make a lot of mistakes at that point. Um, and they had gotten back to five, I think, right before the half, and then. Uh, Right before, right before the half ended, one of their uh, William Mary girls hit it, drained a three, to put it back up to eight. And I thought that was a pretty devastating three, honestly. And then they got the ball at the half, and then from that point, you know, you're still, you're just having to fight to get back in the game the entire time, and it's difficult. And uh, they came close a couple times. They made a couple runs, but they just couldn't get there. And then, you know, at the end, it just got out of hand and went back up to where they lose by eighteen, I think. So. It was, uh, you know, it just got out of hand. It's just one of those one of those games. I feel like where you know you're not playing too well in the beginning, other team is on fire, and you can't recover. Um, I've seen it happen with the men a lot. Uh, maybe not with the with the women as much, but it does happen. This this one was kind of demoralizing. Honestly, I had said last week that when we kind of previewed this week that 
down at Kaplan is where the women have had trouble spots in the past and William Mary gives them a tough test, but we usually tend to pull it out. Um, this just felt like a no-show, you know, it almost in some ways felt like how the Northeastern men looked the day before. Uh, Kylie Lavelle played seven minutes despite starting, had three fouls. She seems to be in the doghouse. I, I don't know, uh, you know, for a while, I think we were talking about load management, but seven minutes and this is like her fourth or fifth game back. That's not load management. That's she's not playing because she's there's some something going on. Um, she just doesn't seem to be playing within the flow of the offense. I don't know if it's pressing or she, every shot just seems to look awkward and uncomfortable against a highly contested. I don't even know what I'm saying. It just seems like the, the defenders are always all over her when she's taking shots. And it doesn't really ever give you confidence that she's going to make it because it's so contested. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me the most is that William & Mary had 27 fast break points in this game, um, which, you know, is not what you usually see. I mean, we actually turned the ball over twice more than they did, um, which wasn't that out of whack, but we had seven fast break points to their 27. So I, I don't know. It seemed like our turnovers just kind of were all in the backcourt maybe, and it just kind of led to transition baskets for them. They did seem to be very willing to run and, and get up shots. They weren't afraid to, to let them go. William & Mary wasn't. Um, but yeah, just overall, just a bad performance. I didn't think we played well on offense. I didn't think we played well on defense. I, I thought we just overall played poorly and without much life. And, you know, I still think we're the best team in the conference, but, you know, you, you can't just – to your point, Dan, I, I think they, they – I didn't think it was a great performance against Hampton. It was a workmanlike performance that did enough, just like you said. And I, I hadn't thought about it until you said it, but I think you're right. I think they kind of – got by and thought they were going to be able to do it again against an inferior team. And they got slapped in the mouth because uh, especially that Riley Casey girl finished with 31 points. I think she had 17 in the first quarter, just blitzed them right out, right off the top. And, and I think, yeah, she outscored our entire team in the first quarter. Uh, so that's a tough way to start. Yeah. She could play a little bit. She's, she'll definitely be uh, up on the LCA teams and uh, they, they, do have ta- they do have some talent down there. I mean, it was a pretty lackluster offensive performance, though. I mean, Kashana had to work 31 shots to get to 27 points. The next leading scorer was Chloe Hodges off the bench. I mean, the other four starters combined for 16 points, and that's not going to get it done. Um, in fact, Kylie and Hedda, the starting front court, played fewer minutes than the backup bigs did. Neither of them, you know, really gave us much at all. So not a great spot. Um, but as I think I said before we hit record today, the last time that we expressed even mild concern about the women, uh, they came in and knocked off a power five team. So, um, you know, I'll probably be eating crow at this time next week when, uh, the women blast Towson down at their place by 20. Anthony, I, I want to praise your setup here because I was going to tell you, there's only one person who's more upset about this loss than you are, uh, and Amy Mallon, presumably. Uh, but that's a thousand coach because next up on the slate, um, the ladies do not play the early week slot. They don't play that Thursday slot this week. So they've got a full week off to prep for, for thousand um, thousands in the middle of a four games on the road, one home game stretch where this is their only home game will be hosting Drexel. Um, so this is the one you want to win and they're going to have uh, a really good team 
pissed off with a week full of preparation for Amy Mallon. Um, I would not want to be the Towson Tigers. I do think this is a bit of a bellwether game for the Dragons. You, you want to see them respond, respond big on the road in one of the t- tougher road games they're going to get. Um, so it's a big spot. Towson's got uh, goes to Delaware on Friday night before playing us on Sunday. So they've got a tough opponent on Friday and then, then come home uh, short rest with the Dragons. Definitely a spot you want to see see us load up and kind of come in there and just hit them. Um, because after that, you've got a, you've got back-to-back home games against bad teams, Hofstra and Elon. Suddenly you're looking at a three-game winning streak and whatever it would be, eight and one in conference going into that big uh, Northeast road trip that the men just did, which is at Northeastern and at Stony Brook. So you load up before that, uh, feel like you're rolling in and, and try to at least split on that trip and you'd be sitting pretty. Um, although I'm sure Bill wants nothing less than 17 and one. So before we get to our good, bad, and ugly, we'll just go look at the week to come for the men because I think that's a, a fascinating conversation as well. Um, they have uh, home Hampton on Thursday night. Um, a bit of a sandwich game, right? You have the blowout at Northeastern and you've got homecoming against Delaware on Saturday. So very easy to look forward to that big Delaware game. Um, you don't want to skip over Hampton. Now, Hampton should be bad enough. We're at home. You take care of them anyway. But I, let's get, I think uh, Kempom's got it here at a 16-point edge. Especially the line comes out around 14-15. Um, so it should be, shouldn't be a dangerous game. I, I could see that one, like kind of the Elon game earlier in the year, played closer than it needs to be. So interested to see how they come out there. And then Saturday's the big one, right? Homecoming. By the way, the students are back for both of these games. Let's see those attendance numbers, right? It's going to be big. If we were drawing 1,000 over break, can we make high high 1,000, almost 2,000 in the deck? Because that place will be rocking if you get a couple of thousand in there against Delaware. And I think that there's they can do it. They can get pretty close to that number. And if we can have 70 80% of capacity for that Delaware game, be a great atmosphere, great time to come out. Really excited to see that. Uh, Delaware is missing Jameer Nelson Jr. right now. So that's one of their two heads of their two-headed monster. He's out with a sore knee, calling him day-to-day. He missed the weekend. I think he's missed about three games straight now. So I don't know how sore that knee is, but uh, certainly they'll want him back for that one. It's a big one for them as well. But um, I did check Hofer on the GoHens message board, which I try to avoid seeing. I think I probably go there two or three times a year. And they're really not talking about basketball at all, except for on Thursday they just wrote, there's just a subject line that says Drexel lost. And that's it. There was no responses to the votes or anything else. They were just excited to see us lose. So good to see um, they, they still care. Or at least there's one guy there who still cares. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you take what you can get, I suppose, for rivalries in this league. But um, uh, In their defense, then, most of their uh, most of their fan chatter probably ha- happens by letter. Um, <laughs> since they're all just too old for the internet. Carrier yeah. pigeon, carrier pigeon, yeah, snail mail. Like, there's probably a some furious conversation going on with pen pals down there or something. There's a small, small spot just outside of Elkton, Maryland, where where they're still using the uh, Pony Express, and it's great. Um, so yeah, anyway, come out, pack the deck, back to back home home games here. Both of them very winnable. Both of them. I mean, how pissed off are you guys going to be if we're not two and on a scale of one to ten, Bill? I mean, I like us to be 2-0. <laughs> I just don't have a lot of faith. If Jameer Nelson's not playing, we definitely should be 2-0. I think we should handle Hampton. Um, Delaware, I could always go either way. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm beyond the point of 
being overly pissed at, at these losses. Um, I'm expecting some losses that we shouldn't have. Uh, so I'm not going to be too pissed. Marshall Fleming, if you're out there, Bill just said that he's okay if we lose to Delaware. So feel free to fly home and do what you got to do. Listen, I don't need Marshall having some nasty tattoo about me put on him somewhere. So let's just, let's just, I'm not okay with losing to Delaware. I'm just saying that it wouldn't be overly surprising to me. So Marshall, hold off on that tattoo, please. You can at least think about placement, Marshall. Leon, what do you have us going this week? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for a 2-0 and again, but uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I'm going to say we go 2-0. and I'm going to stay a little more confident. I, we got I I know we didn't uh, do too much of it this year, but I, I want to make this Delaware coming to uh, you know, the DAC, the homecoming game or whatever it is. And every year when we play Delaware at home at the DAC, we should, we should have some big thing about the comeback. Just reminding them every time they come in, reminding them that they lost to us after being up 53-19. to but uh, you know, another missed opportunity maybe this year. Maybe they're doing something, but if not for next year, we got we got to do something big. Put up on that video board just as soon as they like right before their intros or something, or right, right after their intros. Just put that highlight of where you know we had that great play where you know yeah I think it was a couple of offensive rebounds. Sammy Mojica finally hits the shot. You know, put that put that up there or something. Do something. Pump up the crowd. The Daskalakis Athletic Center, home of the. Biggest comeback, largest comeback in NCAA history. <laughs> that we only yeah. roll that out when Delaware comes to town. Absolutely. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. I keep, every time we talk about that, I, I love the excitement of the feeling of coming back. It was great. But I keep seeing Troy Harper in the post game press conference being like, it's not like the greatest record to have. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take any records we can get. It, it's a record we have. At Drexel Basketball. It's not too many records we hold. And I get what he's saying, but Troy, nobody remembers the fact that you were down that many. Well, I, <laughs> I remember I remember the feeling in that blue and gold room when we were down 28 points at halftime or whatever it was. It wasn't good. People left. People left at halftime. I'm sure it. they did. I'm sure they did. Uh, luckily, I'm, I'm one who just likes to sit through the pain, uh, no matter how bad it is. Uh and we got to witness that, uh, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's get the message out there. I think that's a great idea, Leon. Like, put that thing up there. All right, uh, Anthony, you've got us two and zero. Did I hear that? I would like us to go two and zero. You know, you you said you said we're going to table the uh, expectation talk between the men and the women, but um, you know, it's hard for me to predict the guys to go two and zero, especially against Delaware, just because I feel like. With the rivalry, and of course, if Nelson's not playing, then then, then maybe. But um, I just feel like those games are always competitive down to the wire. I, we could we could definitely go two and zero, but um, I certainly won't be surprised if we go one and one. And zero and two would be a disaster, which is kind of what we said about this weekend. Zero and two would be an unmitigated disaster. Absolutely. I mean, and like I said, I could see us coming out soft against Hampton, but if you lose that game, uh, you're going to have some explaining to do. Um, for sure. Um, this is, you know, the other piece of it is, is after that, you've got, you don't want to look ahead too far, but on the road swing through North Carolina with the A&T and Elon, which is very sweepable on the road. And then you've got Charleston at home. So you, you put yourself in a position here where if you make a run, you're somehow talking about being whatever it is, uh, like eight and two in conference, probably 
one of the top two or three teams in the conference, even if it's built up on a joke of a schedule. And you've got number 20, Charleston, coming to the deck. You know, battle for the CA. Like, that game is going to have some serious buildup if you can if you can get run in here. Um, and the schedule set up, laid out for them to do it. And I believe it would be the fakest 8-2 and two looking like a behemoth record of all time. But you, you, sometimes you are what your record says you are. And if you can get things clicking, if the shooters get going, to your point earlier, Leon, like the defense is not horrendous right now, mostly because of Omari. Um, but if you look at our, our three-point defense, is actually very, very good. And you would think that's because our guards can be more aggressive knowing that he's back there. So some things are working as designed. Um, that game's on TV too. The Charleston game, is that national TV? Uh, I think it's on NBC. So, yeah, I mean, you got some opportunity here. If you're working at the deck, you got to be excited about this weekend, having the students back. Good chance for a couple of good attendance games, especially a Delaware game on Saturday. And then your game next home game after that will be Charleston, who is just rolling. Um, we'll go around the CA in a minute, but they're just rolling. So uh, 17 straight Ws right now for Charleston. 18-1 uh, and one on the season with the only loss at Chapel Hill. So... They are getting it done. Um, so that's going to take us into the good, the bad, and Northeastern University men's basketball. So the um, ugly for all of us should be Northeastern University basketball. I just, guys, it's like not even fun. Like you're a co-op battle. You're, you're the other school. I really like North. I spent a lot of time there. Um, I like Northeastern. This is bad. Like get unfucked. Like, can I just say that? Like, like just, just figure out what you're doing and, and not do it. Um, the, uh, but let's make the good. Um, oof. Oof. There's not a lot of good this week. Two one. I guess, listen, you go one-on-one on the road in conference. You really shouldn't be complaining. Um, so I'll just say that. You went 500 on the road. Um, generally speaking, the men's team, that is very acceptable, Anthony. The women's team, that is less acceptable if you want to go 18-0. But um, still, you're not going to go 18-0. And you're going you're gonna to trip up once or twice on the road. This was one of them. Uh, I don't... I'm not going to get too down on the women's side here. I'm not going to get um, up at all on the men's side. It should have been better, but um, you didn't get swept. You went on the road. You won a game, 500 on the road. Uh, the men are now um, two and three or one and two on the road in conference. So you want to see see that turn around a little bit. Um, the women obviously are, are doing what they got to do. So um, I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm going to make the it's it's terrible. I'm going to make the good. You, you got road wins. You got both programs got got road wins. Um, the bad hard not to go with the ladies today. Hard hard to say anything other than that. Um, I think you can you have a few things to pick from, but um, I think the men kind of do what I expect them to do this week. So I can let them off the hook and just say I don't think they played well in either game this orchard. And so I want to see how they respond. I, I really challenge them to respond as a team. I want to see what see what happens next. So now now that I've talked talked the good stuff. Leon, why don't you tell us you're good, the bad, and the ugly? As long as the ugly is Northeastern University men's basketball. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're going with that, right? So I'll just go with the good and the bad at this point. So the good, I I, I, I was happy to see Okros still continuing the trend that we saw. I was happy to see that, you know, it wasn't like he backpedaled uh, like the time when uh, Roland talked up Lamar and he he's kind of not been the same since. Thanks, Roland. <laughs> so I was glad to see Okra. <laughs> I was glad to see uh, Okra still playing good. But the bad, uh, I'm going to pick something different. It's, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be a little Marty Williams, I think. And, and the reason for that is because of the last play of the game uh, uh, at Stony Brook, 
and also in the two dunks he gave up to Fitzmorris. Or what is that is that the guy's name at Stony Brook? That really lanky tall white guy. Yep. The there was one and the both of the, uh, I guess but the two dunks, I feel like there's a certain level of awareness that he's still working on and needs to get better at, maybe. And just heart. Uh, uh I, I don't know what it is yet right now, but with Omari, I feel like there's no reason for that guy. Tall as he is, even though he got a couple of steps in with one of those dunks where he's coming down, to just not, you know, it's okay to stand in his way and foul a little hard. It's okay. Don't let him get to the basket. And the same, the last shot he took in the the in the Stony Brook game, it's that's an awareness thing, I guess. He didn't know how much time was left at the clock. There's no reason for him not to just drive that and dunk it instead of taking that little bloopy shot that he took that went off the front rim, I think. So, so I'll go with Amari uh, Williams, oddly unexpectedly, I guess, because he has been one of the best things about the Rexel Ben basketball program this year so far, so not this week. So with that, I guess, Anthony, you want to take us to the good and the bad, seeing as ugly's been capitalized? For the good, I'll highlight um, Jamie Bergens. I think he thought he had a couple solid games this week. Um, and uh, I'm kind of kind of going to here, but I'll, I'll go Garfield Turner as well, uh, particularly from the Northeastern game. Um, not a ton of minutes, but he made the minutes count, put up some, some good numbers there. Um, and apparently according to the Northeastern announcer announced team has some type of reputation as a bully, which is news to me. Um, I, I, I don't get it. I don't see it. Uh, but they seem to think it's well-documented. So I guess I'll look out for, you know, any rumbles, uh, in the next few games. Um, but for the bad, if the ugly has to be Northeastern, then I'm torn between the women's performance overall today against William and Mary, and then overall second half free throw shooting by the men uh, in both games. Um, Obviously Northeastern, it didn't matter, but we talked about Amari going one for four from the line, but Coltrane also went one for four from the line, which is even more surprising, uh, including, I think he missed both technical free throws. Um, in that game. Um, so I guess, but I, I, I'll still, I'll stick with the women though. Uh, I'll give the bad to the women for, for today. It, it, it was just a, was not a, a good performance. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they did to their credit battle back and cut it to two possessions. Um, at one point, you know, you, you shouldn't think you need to battle back like that against a six win team. in mid-January. All right, Bill, you're up. I mean, I was I was actually gonna go with Bergens too, but since he took Bergens, I'll revert back to uh, Justin. Yeah, it Moore. sucks to go last, doesn't it? It does suck to go last. I mean, Bergens played he played really well. I really like what he brought to the table the last two games uh, specifically. I think he scored nine in both. Um, but since that's already taken, I'll go with Justin Moore. I like what Justin Moore did this week. He played more under control. He took less ridiculous shots, um, and he didn't turn the ball over that much. So um, that's definitely a plus to see that we need him to just play more under control. He doesn't need to be as aggressive offensively as he been as he has been, uh, where he's oftentimes the guy who shoots the most in the game um, for our team, and it's sometimes not close. Um, but no, I, I like what he did. Uh, the bad, I'm kind of on the same page as Anthony too. I was going to go with just Amari's free throws though. Uh, he needs to get better. Um, we need him in the game. We need him. We need him in there late. We need him defensively. We need him offensively. He has to at least hit them at a higher rate than 50% for sure. He can't be missing two um, 
I mean, the entire team, I think, could be a little bit better. We don't have anyone who's just a lock to hit their free throws at this point. Um, I don't know the percentages offhand, but I don't think anyone's over 80. I think we got a couple guys in the 70s. Um, but we don't really have anyone who you just give it to and you're like, okay, he's going to he's gonna close this game out. Um, so, But specifically Amari, we need him to be better from the free throw line. If he gets back to 65%, that's probably good enough. Um, so hopefully we can see him revert back to that. And to Leon's point, like he's his form is not consistent. You, that's the one thing for free throws is consistency. If you don't have consistency there, you're not going to be a consistent shooter. I mean, you need to have consistent form. So, and I said consistent there about 15 times. So, moving on. It was very consistent in your response, Bill. Um, all right, that takes us out of good value. Real quick around the league, uh, I'm going to start on the women's side here because we haven't done that. But um, interesting notes here with one loss, Drexel now. Um, NCANT and Stony Brook are the other two one-loss teams in the league. Stony Brook, obviously, Drexel's already beaten, so they've got a half-game lead. A and T, is interesting because uh, they're tied right now. The only time they play, they only play one time this year, and it is Kishana Washington's senior night at the DAC. Uh, if somehow or another those teams end up tied going into that game, that will be epic. Um, long way off, but uh, kind of crazy too. The schedule would allow. Where that you, you would only play team once and you would play them on the last game of the season. But that is what a weird 13 game schedule will do. Um, bottom of the league is bad. Here's the, here's the new slash to me Hampton's three and two. Um, now, they beat UNCW today. Um, if, if, you're, if you're sitting down, I hope so. Because uh, they beat UNCW today by the score of 38 to 34 in a Division One college basketball game. Um, the guys are on mute right now, but they are dying into their microphones. I yeah, that's terrible. Um, I didn't see that score. <laughs> 38, 38 to 34? That's like an uh, intramural sport outing that they used to have back in the day, Bill. Not, not, not that we were proud of that either. Might be worse than that. Like, it's like no shot clocks, high school just like dribbling out and trying to delay, delay, delay. How, how, does, how is that even possible? That's worse than a rock fight. Well, is there something that's worse than a rock fight? Boulder fight? Avalanche? <laughs> Maybe a slap fight? I don't know. Dan's not telling us they called it after the first half, right? That's what happened, right? Dan? Uh, the old slap until Friday, yeah. I mean, they've won three games this year by three, five, and four. They've lost the two by 16 to us and uh, doing some loose math here, 39 to Towson. So the, the loss is probably more telling than the wins, but they're three and two. Um, at some point, this is what I said about us going into that Charleston game. At some point, you know, people are going to start thinking that their record is legit. Um, I would not mind playing Hampton in, in the uh, tournament. Um, at the bottom, you have UNCW and Elon. Ophers around. Delaware's taking two losses. Towson's taking two losses. Northeastern's taking two losses. So the biggest competition there outside of Stony Brook, all have already hung a couple of losses. Um, women's still in good shape, is what I would tell you. Um, North, William Mary, by the way, two and three, but they're they've had to play the hardest schedule in the league by far. I think they've gone on the road to Towson, Delaware, Stony Brook already had us at home, so it's a bit of a misguided two and three. I, I think they're probably better than that. Not that we'll ever look back today and say it was a good day for the Dragons, but my guess is William Mary's at least the top top half of the league team from the looks of it, and they've just had a brutal schedule so far. On the men's side, it's been interesting. Um, I hope everybody got to see. Just kidding. Nobody got to see it. It was on Flow Sports. Uh, but Charleston played at Trask Coliseum. Um, sold out crowd. Yeah, sold out crowd. 
and, and I'll try to leave it alone with that. And they've got a very impressive win, very impressive win going into Trask and hanging on um, against what at the time was a uh, undefeated Seahawk program. Um, Trask with the sellout crowd is pretty rocking, man. It's a good time, and people should see it. Um, they've chosen not to engage in regional sports networks down there. Um, I, I've gotten some rumblings as to why. It would make you ashamed if you were a Drexel fan and our, our administration did that. I really appreciate the fact that we've bought into Comcast Sports that Philly here, or uh, NBC Sports Philly, whatever we're, we're doing today, um, because it's just kind of a shame that that's a they can capture the Atlanta market, the, Char- the Charlotte market with some of the regional sports networks down there. And that would have been a great game. Charleston, UNCW, that would be on in a lot of bars down in the South. Um, you, you get played and people respect it. And... Um, Instead, it's whoever subscribed to Flow. I mean, that's that's unfortunate, but great game there. Charleston six and zero. Like I said, seventeenth straight. UNCW responds to that tough loss. Both those teams came out real soft coming off that game. It was definitely a hangover. They they left it all on the floor. They had to come back two days later. It's tough. Uh, three days later, Charleston had Elon was actually trailing at halftime at home to Elon, um, which tells you that I mean they did they, they, they left it out there at UCW they had the hangover spot obviously Elon's very weak they're on five right now Charleston was able to recover Wilmington had William and Mary at home they did not recover and they actually went from four and to four and two this weekend with two home games so they lost both home games and suddenly they're looking a little more susceptible I, I think that's probably a road bump but I bet you their practices will be fun this week um Hofstra keeps rumbling they're five and one um Towson got Cam Holden back. That's the big news for them. So they got Cam Holden back today. Um, so they should they should resume. Of course, that's presumably still your top four, which is Charleston, Hofstra, UNCW, Towson. But that fifth team, you know, if you're looking to sneak in, a Drexel is probably the next one right now with a leg up. That's probably the guy you'd be worried about, especially as long as Jameer uh, Nelson Jr. is out. By the way, I looked him up earlier as Delonte West Jr. So that tells you where, where my head's at. That was just, uh, you're going to have to be a certain age to get that. But, Wrong guy. Wrong guy. Um, yeah, I mean, the bottom of the league, Hampton, Elon, Mammoth, they're all 0-5. I did check. They eventually have to play each other. I think it's in. It's still like another two weeks away. Somebody's got to win in that group of three, but nobody has to win until two weeks from now. So they can all be 0-7 or 0-8 going into that game. Those three are terrible. Um, Northeastern, I don't know what to say. Um, the sum is not equaling the parts. Delaware, like we talked about. NCANT is a sneaky 3-3 three three right now. We said that they were one of those teams that was going to be a sneaky, could knock people off. They're kind of sitting there with Stony Brook as Frisky, and they actually played each other today, NCNT, won that game by two. Uh, good game between those two. But those they're kind of in the same ballpark. They don't have the talent to compete with the top of the league. Jexel should beat them. I realize we just didn't, but Jexel should beat them. Um, but they will, them and William and Mary will trip it up, will trip up people. I think William Mary's probably a step above. William Mary's maybe entering that part. I mean, listen, they won a Trask. They win at Trask. They've been competitive. Um, you may have to start taking them more seriously, although I go back to their visit to the deck and I go, that was a terrible team. But they just, um, I don't know, they're 3-2. and two. They've lost to us. They've lost to Hofstra. <clears throat> they beat Northeastern and Hampton, which isn't saying much. Um, but then they go to Trask and win. They've got at Charleston at Delaware next. So we're going to learn real fast if they're legit or not. <clears throat> so that's where we stand there. I, I really think Drexel's got a chance to be the clear number five and, you know, that game against Stony Brook's a killer because you had a chance to sneak into that top four by scenario. But um, we'll see. If Drexel can keep turning things around, um, get those shooters going again and get them rolling with the soft schedule that they have, let some of the guys beat up, some other folks stumble, 
it'll be an interesting to see. It's certainly Charleston's league right now. Uh, I think they're 22 in the country as we speak, and that may go up when uh, things get published tomorrow after that UNCW win that nobody saw. Probably go up a little higher if somebody's seen it. Um, but yeah, they're 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 legit, man. So hats off to the program down there. Uh, excited to see them come to the deck. How many games do you see? Sorry, Dan. How many games do you see? Do you guys see Charleston losing in the conference? I don't. I don't see them going eighteen and zero. I mean, they've won at Towson and at UNCW already. Um, I don't see them going eighteen and zero either. But I mean, literally, their only top two hundred team they play on the road the rest of the year is at Drexel. There's their one loss. There it is. Yeah, I mean, they they should win every other road game. They're, I mean, their road games are at Elon, at Hampton, at Delaware. At Northeastern, at Monmouth. I mean, maybe Northeastern decides, hey, there's a ranked team in our building. We're going to show up today. And that, that could be interesting. I don't think they have the talent, but they have some talent. If those guys choose to play, they're actually pretty decent, I think. It could be Delaware, too, possibly. I would say, that that weekend where they go to us in Delaware, it's it's us first, Delaware second. Um, you'd, you'd like to see it win first, but us first, Delaware second. Um, I would imagine, if you're Charleston, that's probably what you're circling as the riskiest. I also think... They come right out of that, and they have home against Wilmington. There's going to be some payback there. That game was a bloodbath, so intrigued to see if if they if they draw anything there. And then um, late in the season, I mean, if they're sixteen and zero going to home against Towson, that game gets really interesting, I think, as well. If Towson's at full strength, uh, they get Gibson back. Um, they get Gibson back. That's a really interesting game. So there's three or four spots where they could. But I mean, you're looking realistically. 16 and 2, 17 and 1, and a 28 and 3, 29 and 2 record uh, going into the postseason. Going into the postseason, there's going to be real at large talk. You know, if they if they were to lose a game in DC, um, I think it'd be really hard to keep them out. But this is the CAA. Anybody here want to realign on that large? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody have some history with that? No comment. Yeah. There's definitely footage on Comcast of me somewhere looking very disappointed in a bar after one of our snubs <laughs> from 2012. A landmark. Yeah, it was a landmark. That is correct. And that's different than all the other times, but looks very disappointed at the bar, folks. That was a very specific moment. <laughs> Those moments are on TV, Dan. This one was on, on TV. I'll leave that one alone. I will thank everybody for coming out, and I will look forward to next week. we got some big ones. Guys, I will see you at the deck, I hope. for. Uh, is everybody going to be at homecoming? I actually, I actually won't. I'm gonna be out of the area. But throwing that out there too, I, I believe Robert Battle's getting honored at that game, right? For oh, really? Um, going into the Hall of Fame. Nice. He's been on the podcast. One of my favorite players of all time. Just wanted to mention that. Yeah, big one. Great time to get out. Get there if you can. Come home. Take care of business against Hampton. They they got to do that. They got to make sure they take care of business there. And then let's put on a show against Delaware. Let's let's pack that thing. I want to see. I want to see Jackson Athletics turn things out. They've had a week with nobody at home. They've had to host no events. None of the staff's been tied up. Everybody should be focused on homecoming weekend. Big weekend for the men and the women. Let's go. It's go time. So I'm pretty excited about it.